I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A word of caution. This episode contains threatening and violent language that some may find disturbing. Please take care. I spent the bulk of Christmas Day by myself, and I remember picking up my work phone and just seeing a flood of voicemails. Time's running out, Richard. We're coming after you and every motherfucker with our Second Amendment. You're going to be served lead, you fucking enemy communist cocksucker. You will be served lead. Even if they weren't death threats, they were either creepy or... You know, disturbing. You deserve to go to prison. You actually deserve to hang by your goddamn soy boy skinny ass neck. The tenor of them or what was said it was said with aggression or hatred. You could just hear it in the voices. This is Richard Barron. He's the elections director in Fulton County, Georgia. Fulton County includes Atlanta. And right around the time of the presidential election in 2020, he starts getting these really threatening phone calls. And they're coming from concerned citizens. Hey, Rick Barron, I'm just a concerned citizen. And these calls, they just keep coming. Hey, Rick, I'm watching you on TV here. To the point where Richard starts to be concerned not only for his safety, but the safety of the people that he worked with the election workers who were counting ballots in one of the most contested counties in the country. Rick Barron, this is a United States of America concerned citizen. You are a criminal and a liar. Fuck you, asswipe. <laughs> Later, bitch. Have fun at Guantanamo, you traitor. Mr. President? You have not condemned these actions or this language. This is elections. This is the backbone of democracy. And all of you who have not said a damn word are complicit in this. Someone's gonna get hurt. Someone's gonna get shot. Someone's gonna get killed. And it's not right. I'm Ariel Zimros. This is Vice News Reports. And I'm Madeline May, a reporter and producer for Vice News. So, Madeline, I understand that you spent a lot of time with this elections director down in Georgia, this guy named Richard Barron, who had a pretty important role during the 2020 presidential elections, right? Because he was responsible for recounting votes in one of the counties that Trump contested. When you work in elections, you become nonpartisan because you can get hit by both parties. And Can you tell me about him? So Richard Barron is the elections director in Fulton County, which means that he oversees elections for the million or so people who live in Atlanta and outside Atlanta. 
And his role is a nonpartisan role, which means that he is just basically overseeing the bureaucratic functioning of all the polling places in Fulton County. He's figuring out where the voting machines go. He's helping get ballots to one polling site or another. He's managing the legions of volunteers that you have at each polling place that make elections happen. And he's really at the top of this logistical operation. The only thing you care about is just getting through each individual election. Richard's been doing this job for more than eight years, which is a long time for any one person to hold this position. And even before he was working in Fulton County, he was running elections in various other cities. So what is this position like elections director? What does that work actually look like? Like, I guess I'm asking you to break down our election system. Well, our elections are decentralized, which means that every county runs its own election. And people like Richard, they're really the referees of this process. So they make sure that all the rules are followed in the counties that they work. And typically, this is not a glamorous job. It's really a procedural job. It's very bureaucratic. You probably wouldn't know who your elections director was unless there was some huge controversy. Right. Okay. And based on those calls, it sounds like election workers like Richard have found themselves in the middle of a controversy. Absolutely. What they're dealing with is the fallout of the 2020 election. You know, we've seen that many Americans still believe that the election was rigged against Donald Trump. I've spent months trying to understand the scope of this issue, which is really becoming more urgent because we're heading into another election year. So back in December of 2020, Richard gets a call. A reporter from the Wall Street Journal texted me late on a Saturday night in December. She said, how do you feel about Trump putting you up on the big screen and talking about Fulton County? And I said, I I didn't know anything about it. I'm going to ask you to look up at that very, very powerful and very expensive screen. So here's what happened to Richard Barron. If you remember, the winner of the 2020 presidential election took a long time to be announced, partly because it took so long to count all the mail-in ballots. And that was especially true in Fulton County. So in December 2020, Trump is back in Georgia and he's there to turn out the vote for two GOP senators who were running for re-election in a really tight Senate runoff that was going to happen in January. He's theoretically there to help their campaigns, but he's also there, of course, to do his own PR. Right. We certainly want transparency. So Trump's holding this rally where he's selling his big lie, and that lie is that the election was stolen from him and that Joe Biden and the Democrats have rigged it so that Trump lost, which obviously has been proven false. Right. The evidence of fraud is overwhelming, and again... So Trump's on stage, and he's talking about so-called voter fraud, and there's this huge jumbotron screen. And on that screen, he plays this video. And the video shows Richard Barron's name and face across the screen. And so the first time Richard finds out about this is when that Wall Street Journal reporter called him up to ask him about this in December? Yeah, exactly. Damn. Okay. I just remember thinking, oh, you know, I mean, can I swear on this? I I just remember thinking, oh, fuck. I mean, this is going to be the worst thing. I mean, you, you think, okay, you have the person in the most powerful person in the world or leading the most powerful country in the world singling you out. So Trump basically puts this like local bureaucrat civil servant guy on blast and Richard Barron becomes one of the faces of the big lie conspiracy. It wasn't completely unexpected, but it was still a shock to know that the president of the United States was using 
either me or my county as a prop for election corruption. And that leads to even more attention. So now we have other pro-Trump media outlets like One American News and Gateway Pundit. They're running stories about Richard and the Fulton County Elections Warehouse all the time. That is disheveled Fulton County Elections Chief Richard Barron, but he doesn't have the facts right. They're running Richard's name, his face, information about him, information about his staff. He makes no sense. The guy's scratching his head. He just looks nervous. The guy does not inspire confidence. So basically he gets totally doxxed. Yes, he gets doxxed and his staff is getting doxxed at the same time. And that's really when those threatening messages start pouring into his office. Yeah, hi, I'm watching NTD Live and they got your phone number in here regarding the steal of the Trump election in Georgia. Talking about uh, your video it's all over OAN during this hearing in Georgia. And most of the calls that came in initially, they were directed at uh, the black members of my staff, which are 99% of my staff. And they would be full of the N-word. They would talk about motorcycle gangs coming to kill everyone. I spent some time with Richard and his team at the elections warehouse in Fulton County. And just hearing what the staff had received in terms of threats and how they'd had to reorganize their lives to protect themselves from this violence, it was really harrowing. Christmas Day through New Year's Day, I received probably at least 100 voicemails up to 150. So he's at home and he starts to see all these messages come in. It's just amazing to this American that you could be as crooked as you are. I hope you sleep well at night. If I was that crooked, I wouldn't be able to. You have a good new year. Madeline, are all these calls coming from Fulton County voters? Actually, no. They were coming from people all across the country. I'm out at Louisville, Texas, and uh, after, after seeing you, it's just hard for me to imagine that you really believe that there was no voter fraud at all. I hope you got a good lawyer, because I'm assuming everybody's going to come after you. So it's the sort of thing where once Trump calls you out, it's like a mob comes after you. I mean, the people who were calling in to him and his staff, they felt so secure in what they were doing and so confident in their position that they left their names. They sometimes left their phone numbers. They left their emails. Which just goes to show that these callers expect impunity for their actions, even if they're leaving these threatening voicemails. Right, exactly. And then it goes from threats on the phone or online to threats in person. How so? So over the course of 2021, there was a bunch of crazy shit that was happening at the Fulton County Elections Warehouse. Staff started noticing that drones were being flown over the place that they worked. There's unmarked cars that are parked across the street, and people are watching them take smoke breaks or leave the office for lunch. And staff there was telling me that they were replacing their license plates on their cars because so many of them were getting followed home when they were driving home from work. Wow, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was really scary. So Richard is getting harassed, his staff is getting harassed, and there are full-on conspiracies that are starting about his warehouse. So what does he do about all of this? So back in December of 2020, right at the beginning when he was getting these threats for the first time, Richard was forwarding the worst of the threats to the Fulton County Police Department. You know, I think at some point the law enforcement needs to step in and stop the harassment of public workers that are trying to 
get through the election process to elect the leaders that are going to run the country. And in Fulton County, at least, they do. In January of 2021, Fulton County Sheriff's Office starts parking their cars in front of the elections warehouse and monitoring the warehouse for 24 hours a day. And Richard also gets security stationed outside his house. My father was a judge and he used to get death threats all the time. So I kind of try to look at it from his perspective and that it's just part of the job of being a public official. But by the summertime, some of Richard's colleagues have quit and a few others are considering leaving too. Hmm. If I leave, I think the, the conspiracy theorists, they win. And look, you know, this isn't the first time that civil servants have gotten pushed back for just doing their jobs. But despite his best efforts, the stress really starts to weigh on him, and it shows. At one point, a friend calls him up and says, You know, look, the last two times that we've talked, when I asked you how you're doing, you said, I'm surviving. That was your answer both times. And he said, you know, are you sure you want to keep doing this job? I mean, wh why are you doing this? And do you, if you're here at this point next year, do you even want to be, are you going to be happy? He really felt like elected officials were cherry picking which elections they saw fraud and which ones were totally fine. And he really feels unsupported by political appointees who are supposed to be there to back him up and are instead are bending over backwards to appease Trump. So the hypocrisy there was, was just made me so angry. And the hypocrisy of it was that for people who had already won, they didn't see any issue with the way that he had run their election. Not to mention things start to affect his family, specifically his 12-year-old daughter. I did an interview on CNN. That's when she started getting really scared because she heard a couple of the calls that had come in. And so anytime I would go outside the house or go to walk the, you know, to walk the dog or whatever, or get in front of the window, she would start asking me to stay away from the window, to shut the blinds. And she, she just, she became freaked out by the whole thing. Is this situation exceptional or are other election workers around the country also dealing with this kind of thing? From 2014 through the end of 2020, we had almost no turnover of my full-time staff. And then this year, because of everything that's happened in 2020, because of all the all of the scrutiny now on elections, it uh, I've had more turnover um, in the last six to seven months than I had in the previous eight years combined. So this type of stress is actually causing election workers all across the country to consider leaving their jobs or to resign. One study said that one in three election officials have reported feeling unsafe because of their job. And another one in five listed their lives as being threatened as a job-related concern. I spoke to an elections commissioner in Philadelphia, and his wife had received emails from someone that was threatening to kill his children. So mm. he had a, a couple of young kids and these emails were using their nicknames, you know, included photos of their home. So these people definitely knew where this elections official lived and threatened to kill his whole family. Man, that's that's really brutal. Yeah, it's it's really heavy. I mean, the people I spoke to are extremely dedicated to elections and to local level democracy. And it was really harrowing to hear about how 
for the first time in their lives and their careers, they were thinking about leaving. You know, given this whole situation, I'm not surprised. And the consequences of this could be really significant. Imagining if even a few of these election officials leave, it's going to really change the way that elections are done in each of these counties. And if enough of these election officials leave, our whole democratic process might be at risk. That's after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Madeline, where we left off we had election workers who were leaving their jobs all across the country. What does that mean for our election process? It's a good question. You know, like, what is the big picture here? And I think for Richard, one thing that he would point to is a loss of institutional knowledge. Okay, and people use the term institutional knowledge a lot, but what does that actually mean in practice in this case? Right. I mean, Richard spent, you know, eight years learning how to run elections in Fulton County. And his staff, many of them have been there for as long as he has. And these jobs are extremely complicated, especially in a place that is so populous. It's a super challenging process. It's full of intricacies and logistics. So imagining that Richard leaves and much of his staff leaves, they're taking away all that knowledge that makes our elections safe or makes elections in Fulton County safe specifically. Because if you have people that have dedicated their lives to a career in elections. If you have people that leave these these jobs and you turn it over to people that have very little experience doing it, if too many people with institutional knowledge leave, uh, that is actually probably more of a threat to election integrity than, than the, you know, the few people out there that may try to Um, commit election fraud. Right, because there's been no evidence of large-scale election fraud. Right, exactly. At all. And another thing is, these jobs have never been easy to fill. So I view people that are leaving the profession to be a much greater threat to anything else. But despite all of Richard's efforts to stick it out, Fulton County's embattled elections director is heading for the door. Richard Barron resigning today, effective December 31st. Yeah, so in November 2021, I was on Twitter and I saw that Richard Barron had actually posted his resignation letter. 
And I was really shocked to see that. So now even Richard is leaving. He was standing strong and, you know, because of these callers who were intimidating and threatening all these election workers, a bunch of people left. And now the person who said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick it out is also leaving. And it's the total weaponization of this job that shouldn't have any controversy around it. I mean, these are just people who work on a local level for their government, and now they've become symbols in this broader political fight that most of them want nothing to do with. Right. I mean, to a certain extent, like, these jobs are totally procedural, right? And now they're a political flashpoint, and the violence against them, against these people, has sort of become normalized. Yeah, and there's also been no accountability. Fulton County Police have made no arrests. And it took us a while to figure out that they also haven't opened any investigations into any of the threats. So when I first reached out to the Fulton County Police, they said that they couldn't speak to me about these threats that the Fulton County elections officials were getting because they couldn't comment on an open investigation. But through a FOIA I had done previously, I had reached out to Fulton County asking them to turn over all of the records about investigations that they had opened into these threats, and their response was that they had none. There just weren't any investigations, period. And that's why ultimately they came back to me with this comment. The quote was, while many of these comments were upsetting, they did not rise to the level of a threat from a legal perspective. Richard even escalated it beyond the Fulton County Police. He took one of the most egregious threats to the FBI, and that was over the summer, but we're still waiting to see if anything will come of that. So because there were no arrests in Fulton County and almost no convictions anywhere in the U.S., we decided to reach out to some of the callers ourselves. Hello? Hey, I'm calling back. Somebody that called me about some, some election or something. Yeah, yeah. Hi, thank you for giving me a call back. My name is Alexis Johnson, and I'm a reporter with Vice News. Hello, I'm my, a name reporter. Is Hi, my name is Alexis Johnson. Hi, my name is Alexis, Alexis Johnson. Vice correspondent Alexis Johnson and I went back to the elections warehouse in Georgia to make these calls. And we got the phone numbers from caller ID information that was left on each of the messages. You know, do you think it was the right thing to do to to call some of these people and leave voicemails? That One person that we talked to that really stuck with me, he said, you're only threatened if you're guilty. You know, when you're a public servant, you've got to be ready to stand up to the scrutiny of people. You're only threatened because you're guilty. And I just couldn't believe that because it basically says that if this person assumes you did something wrong, that he has the right to make you afraid for your life. When is it okay to call people and threaten them and, and scare them if they're just trying to do their jobs? Uh, if that's the way you spin it, then you're a communist piece of garbage. What was most disturbing to me when we called them back and got them on the phone was that they were completely unrepentant about what they had done. They really felt like through calling these elections officials, they were following through on their patriotic duty to defend elections, hmm. even if by making these threats, they were causing our elections to become less secure. It showed me a real normalization of violence in our election system. The idea that we could play back these threats for the people who made them and they would feel unregretful and they said that they stand by every word of what they said. In the end, I feel like things are being done shady. Uh, we see how narrow the margins were. We don't hear about it on mainstream media, um, but we hear and understand. Well, what's clear is that they really do seem to believe that the election was stolen, despite all of the evidence to the contrary. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked to people a year after the election, and they were completely sure that the election had been stolen. 
They weren't doubtful at all. Nothing had changed for them since November 2020. I watch One American News. It's on Mm -hmm. in the background as we speak. And a lot of their perspective was being enforced by the right-wing media apparatus. Ultimately, you know, if you can sit right now in this country today and say that all of that was legal, that was the most secure, you know, I mean... Our objective in making these calls was that we wanted to come meet them in person and talk to them about how they were feeling a year after the election. Were you successful? We were not successful. And what we kept hearing from the people who had made these threatening phone calls is that they were afraid that if we came and interviewed them, their lives would be at risk or their livelihoods would be at risk or their personal safety would be at risk. Hmm. So there was this strange disconnect between the idea that they were threatening people's lives in Georgia, but they were themselves afraid of what that attention could have done for them. I think it's important to understand that these people who were calling Barron and his staff didn't necessarily think of themselves as part of some greater strategy to disarm our election system. But as part of this mob mentality, they were doing the work of making our elections less safe. And that's because if these election officials feel threatened enough to leave their jobs, like Richard Barron did, who knows who takes his job? Hmm, mm -hmm. Like, all around the country, if you kick out people who are the referees and the people who take their jobs have partisan interests or they're people who doubt election results, then it means the next time we have an election, we're not going to have people who are civil servants who love democracy. We're going to have people who really want their team to win. Right. And one of the potential side effects of all of this is that people could become really cynical about the democratic process. But what's even scarier to me is this idea of people giving up on democracy. I used to live and report out of Eastern Europe and something we saw, especially places like Russia, where the mainstream media was casting into doubt the elections process a lot of the time, was just this huge degree of cynicism that was making it so many people didn't want to participate in their democratic process. And so what really keeps me up at night is that you could have a situation in the U.S. where everyone feels like democracy is broken and so it's not worth fighting for anymore. And if you don't have democracy, then you have authoritarianism or you even have fascism. And I think what's particularly concerning to me is this sort of green lighting of political intimidation and violence that has come from the top, from former President Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, my colleague Todd Zwillick, who's the deputy D.C. bureau chief, he likes to say that, you know, this is not normal politics with sharper elbows. It's something very new and very scary, something that we need to continue keeping our eye on. And that's a really scary place to be in at the beginning of a year where we're about to hold a bunch of really important elections. Right. And we'll be continuing to cover this story. Well, thank you for your reporting on this, Madeline. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on your work. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Special thanks to Madeline May, Alexis Johnson, Brian Wheeler, Todd Zwillick, and Sebastian Walker, who produced and reported a version of this story for Vice News. Be sure to go check out their coverage. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Sarah Cavedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek, Adiza Egan, and Sam Greenspan. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pram Bandy, Natasha Jacobs, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and the VP of Vice Audio is Kid Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zuemras. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but it really does make a difference, so I'm going to say it again please take the time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.